everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. Everybody, you can have a seat. Welcome. My name is Amos. Thanks for joining us on the live stream or here in person. I want to remind you that uh, our Four Corners this month is going to support an orphanage and school in Kenya, and you can give to that uh, online. But we're also collecting gift cards and uh, notes of encouragement for the school that's just down the road at West Vincent Elementary. You can drop them off at the church if you come later in the month or in the mailbox, or you can like put an old-fashioned stamp on an envelope and send it to us, and then we'll deliver it to the West Vincent School. Uh, in addition to that, if you are reading this book with us, The Deeply Formed Life, and you looked ahead, you'll know that next week is a chapter on, let me get it in, racial justice for a divided time. This is a topic that I think we all have something to learn and grow into, and I think it's something that, well, I've realized that I can't really speak fully to, uh, so I'm going to involve some other voices, uh, specifically people of color, uh, on a couple of Saturdays before and after next week Sunday. So... If you'd like to join us for those conversations, they will be on Zoom. One of them is this coming Saturday. Is that February 20? What? 20th and February 27th at 10 a.m. If you're on our, you know, mailing lists, you'll be getting a Zoom link and an invitation to that. Would really love to have you join us. The first week, we're really going to press into listening well to people who have had experiences different than the majority like white culture. So we're going to, if you're a person of color, we want to give you a chance to speak. Uh, It's an invitation. I was talking to someone uh, just in the last few days. I've learned a lot about people's experience just in the last 48 hours as I've been like starting to have these conversations myself. And uh, I think one of the invitations somebody was sharing is an invitation to be a little uncomfortable. Uh, an invitation to stretch your heart and stretch your mind, but also just kind of fumble through and say some things that you're not sure about. I know that for myself, I would ask for a lot of grace. Uh, I would ask that you engage on this, like, it's more than just an issue. I keep avoiding wanting to say the issue because we're talking about people, right? Not politics. We're talking about people with experiences. So anyway, that first week, we want to listen We want to ask questions. The second week, uh, we'll broaden it out and turn it hopefully into more of a conversation where if you have some strong feelings about race and you've taken the time to listen from that first session, you can bring up your thoughts like as a white person or uh, like just just continue the conversation after you've had a chance to kind of wrestle with uh, the first session. So I I think it's going to be a real opportunity for our church. I'm looking forward to it. I'm scheduling it on the Saturday before I talk so that I can learn a little bit more before I have to speak next week. But uh, again, I think I think of everybody I've read, uh, this guy, Rich, really deals with the topic well. So I actually have a spare copy on this front 
row. If anybody in the building wants one of these, just let me know if you didn't get one already. I sent out a lot of books, so excited to have you guys with us. I want to get started. Today, uh, as we look back, first of all, on like the last almost full year of COVID, like we've all actually been affected by it, haven't we? We've either turned into chunks, hunks, some of us have been a little bit punky, possibly. Some of us turned into punks. Okay, I'm getting a little bit of laughter. I told this joke to Allison last night, and she said, that's not funny, <laughs> because it's true. So anyway, there's my follow-up joke. Uh, today, the invitation is to be a little bit more like monks. Gotcha? Got it? Uh, chunks, hunks, punks, but let's be a little bit more like monks, not in terms of like escaping from society, but in pressing in to rhythms that can give us more peace and joy and draw us closer to God. And so before we dive in, let's pray and invite God's Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Meet us wherever we are. If we are coming in exhausted and tired and overwhelmed, we want to bring that to you. We want your words to speak into our hearts and give us rest. We need, most of all, you to be present to us because you, God, are the source of all life, the source of all goodness, and the source of all peace. And so we pray this in the name of the resurrected Jesus. Amen. I want to begin today by reading again from Romans chapter 12. We read through the whole chapter last week, uh, so that was a lot. Uh, but then we, I, I ran out of time and uh, wanted to say more about Romans chapter 1 and 2. So I think it's a good thing to return to this passage because it's so, I think, foundational to our faith. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I have it up on the screen too. Paul says to Christians living in Rome, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, this is the foundation, this is the basis, this is the basis for change, this is the basis for transformation, this is the basis for everything he's about to say, God's mercy, God's grace, this is a gift to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the goal there at the end. What is God's will? Not just what is God's plan. We trust that God has a plan, but the idea of will actually gets to uh, the idea of desire, of what does God want. In other words, the goal here is to plug into the heart of God, to be able to kind of know intuitively, to trust like that his spirit living in us is guiding us to live and to think and to feel and to desire the things that he desires. That's the goal. So the basis is God's mercy. The goal is to plug into the heart of God. The process is what we'll be talking about the rest of the morning. 
How do I do that, right? So that little phrase, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, the, of your mind, is the phrase that we'll return to over and over and over again this morning. I want you to first think about the patterns of this world, or the patterns, another way to translate this phrase is the patterns of this age, the patterns of this time. What are some of the negative patterns that you see in the world today? I want you to think about it. And if you're in the room, I want you to actually talk back to me. What do you see the negative patterns going on in this world today? There's a lot of self-absorption in the world today. It's a pattern. It's a, what's that? Entitlement. People feel entitled. I deserve to have this thing or that thing or this way of life, right? One more time. Fear. People are really, really afraid and anxious. This is one of the patterns that we see in the world. Anybody else? There's a cancel culture. So there's the idea that if you've made a mistake, that you've been, uh, like everything you've done gets wiped away. Anybody have a counter to that? Like, so counsel, counsel culture is like language that's typically used. Anybody like want to respond to that idea directly? Well, okay, I will. I'll do, I'll press into the awkwardness. So on the one side, there's cancel culture, but there's another side, like people unwilling to take responsibility for their actions, right? And so for a lot of these like forces in the world, these ideas that are buzzing, there's, a, there's kind of this opposite. There's this counter idea, right? I'm not trying to like call anything out. Like the cancel culture is... It's real, but it's also probably some of you who heard that said, like, that was like a trigger for you. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, this is, right? You're buzzing. Anybody feel that way in this room right now at home? Yeah, so, like, the idea that there's a lot of anxiety out there, there's, like, a lot of, may I just draw this out a little further? There's a lot of division. I'm on this side. You're on that side. We're the good guys you're the bad guys. These are patterns in the world that are shaping you. Remember last year, I, or last year, oh man, Whew. does anybody remember last year? No. Last week, the idea, the word here to conform is like being squeezed into a mold. Think of it like a jello mold or like a cookie cutter, right? Like coo, 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 cookie cutters. The patterns of this world are doing something to us to try to force us into the way or the patterns or the mold of division, anxiety, uh, entitlement, fear, all the things we just listed. But to be transformed has a very different image. I don't have a picture of this, but you've all seen it. The Greek word here is metamorphi. You know the English word that comes from that? I'm sure you do. Metamorphosis, right? So not quite like the metamorphin Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, more like the butterfly that becomes something new out of something old. Now, like on the one hand, 
like the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly is it's like a miracle, right? Like, have you guys ever seen like videos on the Discovery Channel or YouTube of a, of a butterfly or a caterpillar turning into a butterfly? It's not that caterpillars grow wings. It's that caterpillars build a little cocoon and then it's this like, it's not a cognitive process for them. They actually emit enzymes that digest their body into mush. And then inside that cocoon, Everything gets reassembled. Now, now is where there's some effort required from the new butterfly, right? Have you seen a butterfly try to get out of a cocoon? It takes work. And I don't know if the butterfly, the caterpillar butterfly, uh, feels pain when it gets, uh, what's the word, de-digested, torn down, but as a human, in the process of transformation, that undoing is a painful process. And that emerging in the transformation into the new person that God has created you to be, I mean, that takes a little bit of work. So do not be conformed by the pattern of this world. Actually, something that happens to you, not just something that you do but be transformed. Again, not something that Paul commands you to do, something that is done to you by God's grace, by God's mercy. This is something that we participate in, but that we cannot achieve for ourselves. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only command, and it's barely a command in Romans 12, is there in verse 1. Offer your bodies, or in other words, offer your whole selves as living sacrifices. Submit yourself, your whole self, to God and his will. Be willing to sacrifice everything to him. Trust him in everything. Now, let's, uh, let's go back to this renewing of the mind process. This is something I think that's really important and really practical and something we all desperately need. You want to know why? Because uh, the National Science Foundation has done studies about this. Do you know that people have between 12,000 and 80,000 thoughts per day? And most of what we hear is actually inside of our own head. Now, the studies show that the 80,000 thoughts per day tend to be uh, of the female sex and gender. Is that, why is that funny? And the, the lower end of the spectrum tend to be men. Okay, these are generalizations. But 80% of those thoughts for men and for women are negative thoughts. Can you believe that? We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Cognitive psychologists have actually come up for a word of those negative thoughts inside of your brain. They call them ants or automatic negative thoughts. So how do we crush the ants? That's the question of the day. How do we crush the automatic negative thoughts? The Bible doesn't actually say just replace them with positive ones. The Bible actually draws us into something or toward a person who can actually transform us. 
And so if I can just uh, consult my notes here one second, let's make sure I don't get too far ahead of myself. I do sometimes have notes, you know. First thing, because we know that conforming to the patterns of this world is not simply something that we do or that we choose, but it's something that's done to us, we have to watch our inputs. So think about this as like a plug. Oh, I was going to bring a plug because I've got like a bunch of them in my house. But like you got to be careful to what you plug into because watching the news isn't just something you do. It's something that is done to you. You turn on the TV, but then as soon as you know, your cable news anchor of choice starts speaking, speaking it, they're, they're reaching into your hearts. They're telling you a story. They're trying to shape your mind and shape your soul into something. Maybe not even intentionally something, but it's a formative process. You are being conformed by your inputs. It's true of everything we do. Remember I said this last week? When you go shopping, it's not just something you do, it's something that's done to you. The more you shop, probably the less good you feel about the things you already have. And so the more you'll want to shop. Amazon, the shopping mall, advertising, it's all reaching into our hearts and saying, you want this, right? Whereas Romans 12 says, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice so that you can discern what God wants, right? Not what the advertisements tell you to want, but what God wants. We're trying to watch our inputs. Uh, Rich Nathan is a pastor of the Vineyard Church in Columbus, and he put out an article in the last couple weeks, and he's talking about community in particular, but community is one of those things that you plug into. It's like an input. So I would, I would apply this to any input you're plugging into. Your news kind of personalities, your social media habits, your, the way you use your phone. He says, we sh always need to ask ourselves, what is it, whatever it is, it is, doing to my soul? Am I becoming a better person, a kinder person, a more joyful person, a more grace-filled person? Or am I angrier? Am I more anxious? Am I more fearful? Am I more prone to rage? Let's, let's press into this. These automatic negative thoughts, these, these kind of shapings of ourselves usually push us toward one of a few different topics. Um, that they push us into our fears, our insecurities, the things we don't have, right, our discontentment, uh, the things that stress us. Most of these automatic negative thoughts are around like stress and they just replay in our heads. Uh, or... I think this is my personal, this is the one that applies to me the most. It's around irritating people or around people who irritate you, right? Like these are, the, these are the tracks that play around in your mind over and over again. These are the automatic negative thoughts. So when you're done watching the news, reading an article on Facebook, scrolling through your newsfeed, ask yourself, is this making me a kinder person? 
a gentler person, somebody who has the mind of Jesus? Or is this making me more anxious, more fearful, angrier? Uh, Guys, I don't even know if the weather passes this test. You guys watch the weather ever? Yeah, because when you watch the weather, you get like it's you feel anxious about what yet hasn't happened and sometimes what doesn't happen. Um, right? Like it's a, it's they're vying for your souls. You want to know why? Because if you're afraid, if you're anxious, you'll keep watching. How many times did you guys check the weather in the last 3 days? Was it once a day? Did the weather forecast change? Was it 5 times a day? Was it 10 times a day? Like what what are what are the inputs? What's driving you toward checking the weather 100 times in a day? How is it making you feel? Is it making you more or less anxious? Watch your inputs. Okay, next off. And this is where the command comes in, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, in the Bible, there are I think, two themes of coming into the presence of God that are actually really tough for us, but that are are really clear as you look at Old Testament and New Testament. The two things that we are commanded to, drawn to, modeled to do by people like Moses, David, Jesus, Paul, fill in the blank, are silence and Sabbath. Um, How much time we got? We still got time. This is good. I just want to read to you from the Cultural Background Study Bible. Here a second. Uh, And it says this about Sabbath. This is the idea of taking a day for rest. The hallowing or setting apart of the seventh day was unique in Israel within the broader ancient Near Eastern world. In other words, the idea that God would command his people not to work more, not to labor more, not to push harder, but to rest was unique because the God of the Bible is a God of rest who desires us to flourish. Whereas most other gods in the ancient Near East actually want you to give more so that they're less angry, right? I'm upset, the God say, so give me more praise, give me more sacrifices, give me more work, build me bigger temples, Make me nicer idols, right? The the idols of our world today, right? Money, sex, and power actually kind of are after the same thing. They want more from you. God, the God of the Bible, is a God of rest. And so says, I give you this as a gift. I give you rest. I lead you into rest. And so let's just read quickly from Exodus 20. This is where the Ten Commandments can be found. And uh, I want to just read to you the fourth commandment. This is maybe the commandment that 21st century people break the most. Think about that. Uh, There's probably a few others that compete. You know, the no other gods before me, one, the do not covet one. I don't know that you could actually measure easily which is broken the most, but I I feel like this one is at least in the the top Um, three, at least for me. Maybe, maybe not for you. Again, the idea of keeping Sabbath is the idea of taking rest. It says here, chapter 20 of Exodus, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Right? So work is good. God created us to work. It's not rest for six days, work for one day. It's work for six days, rest for one. 
But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. So it's like it's not just for one type of person that gets to take a break. Again, this way before, you know, two-day weekend. It's like everybody from your sons to your servants, right? It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much land you have. It doesn't matter how much status you have. He even gives the animals a day off, right? For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, we're not legalistic about which day you take as rest. The idea here, though, is that Moses, who wrote this book traditionally, is rooting this command to Sabbath to take a rest in the creation story where God does the creating for six days and then he rests. He's rooting it in the creation story, I think, for a couple of reasons, but one of them is to remind us that it is not we who keep the world spinning. We are not primarily the ones who stand against the you know, impending doom or the coming chaos. God is the creator. God is the sustainer. Working, like breaking this command, like there's so much to do, I must work all seven days. There's not a day that I can take off. Maybe I can take off a couple hours here, is actually saying, God, I don't trust you. This world needs me. My life, my kids, they need me to work all day, every day. To disobey this commandment is a statement to God of, I don't trust you. Now, this commandment actually gets repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse, oh, nope, sorry, Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. And here, there's another dimension given to this commandment when he writes, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay, did you catch that? Because you were slaves in Egypt. In other words, when you were in Egypt, you had an identity, and it was all about your work. It was all about your achievement. Your identity was that you were productive. Does this relate to today at all? Does this relate to your world at all? Is this your life at all? Jesus, Jesus is saying, God is saying, your identity is not in your work. It is not in what you achieve. I am asking you to actually root your identity in me. Trust me. Get your identity from me. Get your worth and your value from me. And in reminding the people that, yes, God brought you out of Egypt, it's actually trust your salvation to me as well. Like the guilt and the shame, like you, you can't actually make up for that stuff. Jesus, in his death and resurrection, pays that debt for you so you can be free of guilt. So your identity is not in work, it is in Jesus. Your mistakes, like ultimately, cannot be made up for by doing a bunch of good, right? Like if you, you, it's not like at the end of the world, at the end of your life, there's a set of scales. It's like, well, if I can just get the good deeds up above the bad deeds, then I get to be with God forever. 
No, it is by his mercy, by his grace. Now, the next thing that we need to plug into, right? It's kind of a weird thing. I'm saying plug in by unplugging. Take a Sabbath. Take rest. How's that for an assignment this week? Take a day where you're not getting paid to work or you're not doing work like beyond like keeping your kids fed and whatever. Like let let it be a day where you are drawn to things rather than uh, rather than having it be a day where you should yourself. You know what I mean by that? Shoulding yourself. I should do this. I should do that. I should do the next thing. Let it be a day where you lean into God, lean into rest. Maybe let him set the path. Okay, silence is the next one. Um, silence is something, again, you see in David. He talks about it all the time in the Psalms. You see in the person of Jesus, he is all the time withdrawing from his work, from the people who want his attention, even from his 12 disciples, his 12 closest friends, to spend time with God. I think uh, in the book Deeply Formed, uh, he, he gives us a good definition of this. And so if I just open up to the right place, he says, in basic terms... Silent prayer is the practice of focusing our attention upon God through the simplicity of shared presence. It's a surrender of our words to be present with the word or with Jesus. And uh, I think this was also a helpful comment. Um, let's see here. I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if your brain is anything like mine, but when I like try to be silent, it's like my brain is full of a tree of monkeys, right? Like it's jumping around all over the place. Um, and some of them are negative thoughts, right? It's those automatic negative thoughts. But um, he says here that, uh, oh man, apparently I had a, a bookmark fall out, but... Uh, here it is. If your mind gets distracted 10,000 times in 20 minutes of prayer, it's 10,000 opportunities to return to God. I think that's, that's really helpful. Um, I think that's good to keep in mind. He says this too, and you can go back. This is the quote that I had first in the slides. Whoever's uh, running it back there. I can't even see Debbie. Our lives can easily take us to the brink of burnout. This is why Sabbath and silence is so important. The pace we live at is often destructive. The lack of margin is debilitating. We are worn out. In all of this, the problem before us is not just the frenetic pace we live at, but what gets pushed out from our lives as a result. That is life with God. Educator and activist Parker Palmer makes a compelling case that burnout typically does not come about because we've given so much of ourselves that we have nothing left. He tells us it merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. In other words, like you're giving from an empty tank. You're not doing anything to fill your tank. Uh, you burn out because of where you've plugged in or not plugged in. It's empty. Like you can plug into a socket that actually doesn't have any life-giving power. 
Um, or you can plug into a socket, an electric plug, uh, into the source of all life and the source of all peace and the source of all joy. What would it look like, Rich Lotus says here, to live at a different pace? What if it were a rhythm of life that could instead enable us to deeply connect with God, a lifestyle not dominated by hurry and exhaustion, but by margin and joy, as long as we remain enslaved to a culture of speed, superficiality, and distraction, we will not be the people God longs for us to be. We desperately need a spirituality that roots us in a different place. And Paul says, do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so offer your whole selves as a living sacrifice. That will be pleasing to God. And when we do that, what happens is we find out what God's heart is like. We plug into the very heart of God. Another story that's told in this book is when Mother Teresa, who had this like up and down relationship with God, but the idea was like the cool thing is, is it's dynamic. Like she had a dynamic relationship with God. There was times of doubt, uh, and so there was honesty and there was authenticity, but there were times of like immense like filling where she was like just filled with God and, and it allowed her to live a life full of mercy, right? Because part of God's heart is to be merciful. And so Mother Teresa in Calcutta, India, cared for the poorest of the poor and touched people that no one else would touch, like touched people with leprosy and touched people with skin disease. And uh, one time when an interviewer comes and asks her, like, so when you pray, what do you say? And she says, oh, I don't say anything. I simply listen. And the interviewer says, oh, yeah, great. So like, as you're listening to God, uh, what does God say? And she says, oh, God doesn't say anything. He simply listens back. And, and here's the point. The people you are closest to, the people that you have true intimacy with are the people you can be silent with. When a relationship is new and uncomfortable, like all the silence gets filled with chatter. Like, you know, you're driving to Philadelphia and it's just one hour of constant talking. And talking and communication is like good and it's good to hear from God and it's good to pray to God. But like, you know you've reached a point of comfortability, of intimacy, when you can sit in the presence of God and listen. And it becomes okay that as you listen, God doesn't speak anything. You're not even necessarily reading your Bible, but you're plugged in. And as your mind wanders, you say, oh, no, this, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. And so you return to God. Maybe you pray a simple prayer to get your mind back in the place of, like, presence. Maybe it's a prayer like, come Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a prayer like, I need you, Jesus. And so that's the invitation. The invitation is to come like into the presence of God. You bring your whole self into the presence of God. You unplug at least for like 20 minutes, like one time this week for 20 minutes. Set an alarm on your phone. Set your phone across the room. 
sit in a chair, and for 20 minutes this week, just say, I'm spending time with God. As your mind wanders, it's an opportunity to return to God, to remember, like, I'm here with God. It's a chance to plug in. That is how you disrupt the conforming power of the world and plug into the transforming power of God. And so I want to invite you to stand. And what I'd like to do actually uh, is kind of do the prayer time right now. And so if you could put up those, the prayer words, are those ready to go? Uh, we usually do this at the end of the service, but I want to invite God's spirit to come. And there was a deep sense from the people that were listening that somebody is feeling like an overpowering burden of exhaustion. You're asking that question. There must be more than this. You're full of worry, and you don't yet have the perspective of being through the like difficult season. But remember, as God commands us to rest, he also says, I am the creator. I have a plan. I am the savior. And so come Holy Spirit. We take just a few moments here to turn our attention towards you. We invite your presence. And as our mind wanders, we return to you. We are exhausted. We are anxious. We are divided people. And we need you. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices, God. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.